Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. She was regularly, I can't say that word today, regularly. Regularly, regularly, regularly. Regularly? Let's just say regularly. Reg, but it's wrong. There's two L's in that. Regularly. Regularly. Oh, fuck. <laughs> she was often left. <laughs> Let's get this show on the road. Yeah. And say welcome. Welcome uh, to the listeners of of the podcast. <laughs> this is yeah. Chickstree. Yeah. The end. Thanks the for end. coming. God, okay, bye. Bye. <laughs> just uh, joking. Just joke for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got an interesting story for you today, Miss Jones. Go on then. T- oh, get into coming. it. No. Oh, you went straight into oh, it. Oh, a chickstree interesting yeah. story. I thought you were just telling me an interesting story. No. Well, that's what we're all about here. Right. I get yeah. it now. I finally get it. <laughs> I'm going to tell you an interesting story about a chicken history. Well, but before I do. Before you do. What's we, um, been going on with you? Nothing. I'm just tired all the time. Yeah. Welcome to my life. I'm okay. tired all the time. All, all the, time. the time. I have to go and get my bloods tested again because this is what happened when I had really low iron. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and I've had COVID. infusions. And I've had COVID. I mean, and I'm just old. And you're I mean, old. This you're is 50 the world. Now. Well, nearly. I'm not. You found out on. Saturday, when we were t- discussing Taylor Hawkins' death, mm, that we, him and I were born in the same year, and you got the shock of your life because yeah. he was fifty when he died. I know, and I you're said, like, Are "You're going to be fifty this year." Yeah, at the end of the year, which is a long way away. We're still only in January. Look, if you're eleven, turning twelve, you'd be, you'd be yeah. telling everyone you're almost twelve. I so. never did. I never did. You know, I never did understood you? people who did that. My, you know, my our friend Clegg. Claire Ginty, she's mm-hmm. forever telling people that she's older than she is. And I'm like, why do you do that? And she goes, I'm, I forget how old I am. I'm like, no, yeah. you've taken that from when you were a kid. Yeah. But, um, and I reckon it's because I'm a couple of years older than her and we've known each other for such a long time that she thinks we're the same age, which we are, right. but don't say you're nearly 50 when you're 45. Yeah, <laughs> She's your age, not mine. Right. And um and you know, yeah, kids do it all the time. Yes. But um it is an odd thing that some adults also want to be older than other adults. Yeah, that is weird. And I, um, I don't want to hang on to forty five. Well, dear I just life. think be the year I remember someone asking me how old I was once. I was about thirty nine and I was turning forty the next day and I said, I'm thirty nine and I never said I'm 40 tomorrow. I never said. I just went, I'm 39. And I was. I was telling the truth. I'm going to say I'm 750,000 yeah. months old. Yes, you should. He's, well, look, he's 42 months. Um, <laughs> How many months are we? How many months is 50 months? I mean, 50 years. Hey, Siri, how many months is 50 years? 
180 months. I'm 180 months old. No, no. I am. Not you. <laughs> no, but hang on. Really? Is that all you've lived? 180 months. Oh. That doesn't seem like enough. How many months is 50 years? 600 months now. Okay, well, that sounds a bit better. 600 months. I'm 600 months old. You're not. No, I know, but that's, I'm saying that's what you can say. I'm trying, being you. Oh, I'm, I'm 600 months. <laughs> I sound like a vampire. <laughs> How old are you? 600 months. Next mother that I meet, I'm going to say that to Do it. I dare you. But I'm not yet. I'm not 600 months yet. Okay, I'm all, well, well I'm you all, can no, say I'm not. I'm 599 months. No, I'm not. 596 months or something. I don't know. 96 months. 92 months. 93 months. (laughs) Stop saying the word months. Months. Keep saying months. How weird is that word, months? Months. It is months. Months. (laughs) So we went out on the weekend. We had a last hurrah for you ever because you're moving to the country next week. Yeah. Yep. Um, never, ever coming back to Melbourne ever again. No, last time. And One night only. I've bailed within three hours, mm. as I do. I mm. think I did actually quite well. Um, but you guys went on to the piano bar on Chapel Street. Yes, And sent me a few videos Ooh, the next yeah. day and that looked like a lot of fun. Was it, it fun? Was so much fun. And a lot of people talk about that place. Yeah, it's re- it, it is a lot. Yeah, it was fun. Where it was everybody fun. knows your name. Yeah, and the guy's letting people get up and sing, and you've got to go and and sing because he'll let you. He'll he's just oh, he'll anyone. Let you. Anyone's coming in singing, and he, um, you know, look, and he's got a good voice, but I wouldn't say he's got an amazing voice. The guy that I the video I sent you of the guy who did your um the voice your the voice yeah he was incredible. He did quite a few songs. Um, and then there was another guy who got up and did um, a couple of songs on the p- – he also played the piano and he was like – the guy went to sit back down again and he's like, oh, I've just got one more. And he's like, oh, go for it. Yep, go for it. Oh. He about five songs in a row and this poor old mate's just sitting at the bar drinking his drink going, um – Well, at least he gets paid. Well, that's the right. guys don't. I know. I know. So, yeah, it was his job for him. It was very, um, it was so much fun, so much fun. And then I called it at like 1am, I think, and got a kebab and went and home. Cab. Get a, a, kebab cab and a cab and a cab. Yeah, I did. I actually did get an old school cab because. Yeah. Um, That's all you can get. Uber is so expensive at the moment. No, actually, do you know what? I didn't. I was going to get a cab and the cab driver said to me, he said, where are you going? And I said, um, oh, high street, just up the road, yeah, literally just up the road, mm. and he said, "Oh, that's twenty dollars." Mm. And I said, "No, because of the petrol." Thanks. Yeah, because of the petrol, they're asking for ten dollars extra because the fares haven't changed on cabs, but Ubers have all up their oh, price, right? Um, and so the cabbies are just kind of asking for what twenty bucks is a lot. I mean, well, I said, if no, you have twenty. <laughs> I got a cab the other night to the Comedy Gala and it only cost me $18, but Mm. that was just to St Kilda from here, um, which was a really normal, and he didn't ask for anything. I should have given him a tip. Fair enough. Because he was nice. He didn't. Okay. 
but that's all right, yeah. I mean, it's just because mm. the prices are so ridiculous for petrol at the moment. Yeah, that's right. Speaking of feeling bad, I watched a show last night that you would find very um, annoying. Mm. Great. What is it? Tell me, <laughs> please. I'll start it now. Oh, that reminds me. We've got, to, we've got to hurry up with this today. The Oscars are about to start. Oh, are they? Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. I'm just joking. I'm joking. They're not. They. I'm not joking that they're about to start. But, but hurry. Yeah. Come on, story it up. Um, <laughs> <laughs> come on. Let's get you know, quick. Good. Quick games. Good. Good games. A quick game. Let's do this. Let's do I this. Need to see the red carpet. Yeah. No. I um. I. It's called revealed. Um. Amongst mm. us, neo-Nazi Australia. Mm. Oh, I've seen it. And I've seen it. Is, have you? Mm. Yeah, it's actually pretty old. It's about a year old. God, it's yeah, so full on, isn't it? Full on. It is. The guy, Nick McKenzie, I'm scared yeah. for him. Yeah, me too. Me too. I still am scared for that guy. I still think of what he's done to, to that he's put himself through. Like it keeps you on the edge of your seat a bit, doesn't it? Like, yeah. You know? And it really, really frightens you. I was actually going to share it because it's just come up on Stan, I think. Yes. Which yeah, is obviously right. where you've it. seen it. Mm. Um, but, yeah, it was on um, TV a year ago. Oh, and, was it? Um, it's so frightening because um, he infiltrates some yeah. really scary um, human behaviour that makes you so angry and <laughs> I just want – I want people to see, but I don't want to share it at the same time because I don't want to indoctrinate anyone. Yeah, to get you yeah, know? yeah, to to for a for a, a bored, depressed, straight white man who's yeah. looking for a tribe. Yes, to come across it and be like, well, that's actually not a bad idea. Yeah, yeah, and, and join it that is army. Those, it's those angry um, white men who. Mm. Think who who will literally say to you now, it is the hardest person to be right now. I mean, you just went out with a guy that said it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the hardest person to be right now is a straight white man. Oh, boo, fucking who? It is not. Still isn't. Never will be. Yeah. Um. These are the men who cannot, will not talk about their emotions and how they feel in a toxic masculine world. Yeah. Um, and they will not concede any kind of equity for any other minorities, um, mm. that they see themselves as victims and they have to become the heroes again and they start to really easily get indoctrinated in this neo-Nazism. Oh, it's just... Thing. And awful. It, it's out of like it really is out of control. But mm. um, it makes me it's actually funny. ill to think of how these entitled men really do believe that they mm. um, are. What's what's the word that they they're the better superior yeah, superior yeah. that's it yeah. that they are and that they are doing the right thing and the hatred they have oh. and the love they have for themselves and their cause and and Pretty just strong. that they're entitled they're entitled to that they're entitled yeah. to live in yeah. this country how they yeah. want this country to be which is yes. white Australia and you know how dare anyone else come into their country it's yeah. just hideous and like everyone the, must know their place 
some of the language and the way they talk. Yeah, like, that's you what you scary. know, but then you see it actually come out of their mouths and yep. holy crap. I mean, these are the people of yore that were hanging mm-hmm. humans mm-hmm. by their necks and yeah. setting them alight and not having a problem with it, like actually, have, you know, reveling in it. Like what the mm. fuck? Have you watched anything a little bit more lighthearted? Oh, I've been watching the, like dog the, the dog <gasps> show. The dog the, show. Um, it's a dog's Tony life with Tony Armstrong, Armstrong <sighs> which is wonderful. You got me onto that. Master Dogs is is wonderful as well. Um, yeah. There's yeah. a lot of good dog stuff. And I just watch great reels and TikToks about yeah. dogs and the beauty of them and dogs that get rescued, dogs that are being given gifts, dogs that um, listen to you when you speak, dogs that react, dogs yes. that f- roll over and fall into the arms of a cat. I there's know, I saw that one. On, on, there's he, they're on TikTok and their name is Sarge and Conan and yeah. Sarge is the dog and he gets up on his little <laughs> – his little ramp, he walks up every night. It's the yeah. same every night. But sometimes Conan doesn't want to snuggle. Snuggle, to yeah, spoon. okay, okay. But Sarge does all the time. And he, the very first video I saw of them doing it, the owner had put that sound over the top. Oh, I might fall. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then I've been watching them ever since. They do it every yeah. night. Conan sometimes, like most of the time, Conan's fine. They they spoon and Conan then um, grooms Sarge. Oh, it's so cute. But Sarge misses sometimes the the spatial. He has no spatial awareness and he gets right. the length between the two of them quite off. So he does this cute little roll and then and Conan's like almost just sitting there going, oh, dude, you are so far away, you fucking idiot. And then Sarge's like, oh. <laughs> And then he gets up again and then he goes, gets oh, closer. but don't fall. <laughs> he does it again. And then he Cute. does it in the same way every time and he finally gets it oh. right. And it is absolutely adorable. So that's my lighthearted. If you are ever in a mood mm. or you're just down, my goodness, go, just go onto TikTok and type in dogs. Dogs. <laughs> dogs. It's. It will make you. I mean, uh, we don't deserve them. We really don't deserve them. Yeah. They are just incredible. And you know, watching that show, the dog, a dog's life. You know, the way they've learnt to do puppy eyes at us to evolve, like oh, that's to, to keep surviving. It's crazy, isn't it? I'm learning so yeah. much on that show, and it really is. They they have had to adapt to us to mm. live with us, and they they know the things that work. Oh, the fact yeah, they've God, that built works in well their, too. They've built in their muscle that can make their eyes look bigger so they're more attractive to us. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. It's insane. Yeah, yeah, yeah it watches. is. And the head tilt, like they've learnt to do that. that. Yes. They don't even know how cute they look when they're doing it, but they do it as puppies. Yeah, yeah. And I really also loved the, um, you know, the dogs that look after the penguins on the island. Oh, no, I haven't seen that, but that's so cute. Have you seen that? So they've raised these dogs that um, protect protect, and they've got this sort of instinctually in them. They're actually used on the, um, they they do it in, there's an island, I can't can't remember where it is. But they do it. 
No, Phillip Island. Island. They they've learnt that if they expose the dog to chickens, like to baby chickens, early on, the dogs become protectors. So there's mm. these farms that have these dogs um, for free range chickens, so the foxes don't come. And so they were like, oh, hang on a minute, maybe we could do that on the island with the penguins. So every summer they ship over, you know, a pack of dogs and these dogs protect the penguins because since puppies they were uh, raised around penguins. So they just learn to protect them. I think we're going to have our own little experiment here because you're about to move into a house with a chook pen and if you get chick chicken why don't you get eggs that you need to hatch put them in a warm incubator and hatch yeah. them and then watch the dogs like let eat the dogs them. watch it happen and then My when they're chicks, well who knows they might not they might not well, they love would, chicken. but your dogs might not <laughs> they bloody love chicken though oh yeah but they don't know that a chick is chicken <laughs> It's a chick, and if they protect it, if they see it as a a baby, they might, yeah. you know, well, let's it, just do it. Okay, if they eat them, they eat them. Right. Okay. So have you got a chick in the now today? I do have a chick in the now, and it's really funny. I've, I've, I've actually been following this woman on Instagram, and I mm. find her really interesting. I have not read her book yet, but I really want to. So, yep. um, but the coincidence is I've been watching this show as you know on um binge mm-hmm. called um this is going to hurt and it's based on a true um telling of a story of junior doctors in the NHS in London um so anyway this woman's name is Yumiko Kadota and she's a Sydney surgeon mm-hmm. and she has written a book called Emotional Female Oh, okay. uh, I'll just read you the description of the book. Yumiko Kadoda was every Asian parent's dream, model student, top of her class in medical school and on track mm. to becoming a surgeon. A self-confessed workaholic, she regularly put life before, sorry, knife before life, knowing it was all going to be worth it because it would lead to her longed-for career. But if the punishing hours in surgery weren't hard enough, she also faced challenges as a young female surgeon navigating a male-dominated specialty. She was often left to carry out complex procedures without surgeon, senior surgeon's oversight. She was called all sorts of things from emotional to too confident and she was expected to work a relentless on-call roster, sometimes 70 hours a week or more, to prove herself. Eventually, it was just too much and Yumiko quit. Emotional Female is her account of what it was like to train in the Australian public hospital system and what made her walk away. She's a voice for her generation when it comes to burnout and finding the resilience to rebuild after suffering a physical, emotional and existential breakdown. The thing that I find really coincidental with this is Mm. watching that particular show and I told you the other day that you know I won't ruin it for everyone but there is one young surgeon a female in it and watching her absolutely melt down in this Mm. tv show is she's I I looked up this actress as well she's never done anything before yeah right. she's Indian um actress anyway um Yumiko she's such a great now she's a um injector and she's um writes a blog and Mm -hmm. she does all these amazing things but 
I have shared a lot of her stuff in the past because she's the the doctor that always gets asked to do interviews or Mm -hmm. is on the news and there'll be her and other doctors and they will all get doctor put before but she will just get her name. Yeah, that's so so common. It's really, really common Mm. and her book has just been that emotional female. It's just been long listed for the biography of the year at the Australian Book Industry Awards. Oh, wow. How old is she now? She's still quite young, obviously. She's very young. She's very, very young, I'd Mm. say. She's in her 30s now. Yeah. Um, But she talks in her latest post about this time last year, how much Mm -hmm. she got trolled, how much she got caustic reviews from – she was blocked by other plastic surgeons. You know, she had a lot of really, you know, awful things happen to her because she was mm-hmm. telling the truth about yeah. what was really happening and how she really questioned whether she should have done this or not. But I'm really glad that she did. And she's quite a really lovely woman as well. Like she's great yeah. to talk to and she's a real feminist. So um, I highly recommend you follow her on Instagram, Dr. Yumiko Kadota. If you need to find a finder on mine, um, that is a book I will be reading. So chicken the now. I'm going to tell you the story today of one of the most wanted women by the Gestapo, Hmm. nicknamed the White Mouth. Oh, I do know about her. Yeah, so it's funny because I was watching that bloody, you know, Australian Nazis mm. um, show and then and then I came across this and I was like, oh, who's this chick? I never heard of her. Um, her name's Nancy Wake. Mm-hmm. But there is a, there's quite a bit of information on her and there's been mm. quite a few TV shows and specials and whatever, but it's such, a, such an extraordinary story. So she was born in Wellington, New Zealand in 1912. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> got to do it. You've got to do it, don't you? you? Can't heal, I can't help myself. She was the youngest of six children and um, she was reportedly the grandchild of the first Maori woman to ever marry a European. In 1914, she moved to Sydney, Australia, and shortly after, her dad returned to New Zealand, leaving her mother, Ella, to raise six children on her own. Standard man. Tale as old as time. So Nancy attended the North Sydney Household Arts School, which was a home science school. Oh, home science. What, like cooking? Yeah, the oh, North God. Sydney Household Arts School. Oh, of course, you're learning how to do household, household. arts. Not so much. Not so much. <laughs> the art of washing up. Yeah. Um, and at age 16, she ran away from home. She inherited Good. 200 pounds from an aunt mm-hmm. and she travelled to New York. Good. That's a lot of money back then. A lot of money back then. And so she travelled to New York and then she went on to London. In the 1930s, she moved to Marseille in Paris Mm -hmm. where she met her husband, Henri Fiocca. Henri. Henri Fiocca. Um, She taught French-Italian. It sounds a bit Italian, doesn't it? Yeah. She taught herself French and also how to become a journalist. 
Wow. And um, she was, you know, all, all the reports say how beautiful she was and she was mm. so attractive so she knew how to always get the story and mm. she kind of used that as a bit of a weapon. So she travels to Vienna, much to her husband's disgust, because she wants to get the story firsthand and meet this and, you know, see firsthand this new person who is basically starting war and his name is Hitler. Hmm. And she's like, I'm going to go to Vienna. I just want to go and see what's going on. I want to get the story firsthand. And her husband's like, you don't need to go. Like you, it's all good. Yeah, you just can look just it up on the internet. Stay here and look it up on Jesus. the internet. Like everyone else, you don't just need to go there. Hashtag Hitler. Oh, my God. Yeah. Jesus, so, he's been around. <laughs> she ends up he's going. He's an artist. Just anyway. look him up. He does art. <laughs> <laughs> she ends up going anyway and she, she witnesses, you know, firsthand kind of the Nazis beating Jewish men in the street. She tries mm. to stand up for them and she yells at the Nazis and, you know, she's so close to herself getting, you know, getting herself in trouble but she just she's appalled by what she sees and she makes a vow that she's going to do something about it and she's going to commit to um, fighting him, yeah. fighting, and what, fighting what he's doing. Yeah. yeah. So France is invaded and she decides that she wants to be part of the action. So she and her husband's like, you don't need to. You've married a really wealthy man. You've got a really good, you know, comfortable life. We could just h- hide out, mm. um, wait out the war. Ignore the death. Just hide away. it. And, sh- and then Not she's like, us. Yeah, and she's like, no, I don't want to do that. So they run a fleet. They have a fleet of trucks. So she says, can I have one of your trucks? I'm going to turn it into an ambulance and I'm going to become an ambulance driver. Oh, my God. She doesn't know how to drive, so she teaches herself to drive. God, she makes, she's amazing. She makes an ambulance and what she does is she goes undercover pretending to be an ambulance driver but she actually mm-hmm. helps smuggle families mm-hmm. who are hiding in the bush um, yeah. and to get them onto the safe passage, you know, yep. to, to get out. She ends up meeting a Scotsman who is part of the General de Gaulle um, resistance. Mm-hmm. So General de Gaulle refuses to bow down. He calls for resistance against against Hitler and anyone who will help him fight the resistance. Mm-hmm. And so she decides she's going to join this local resistance movement. Um, yep. She's used as a courier to get through checkpoints to smuggle radios and parcels. And because she's just mm-hmm. a woman on a bike, she just rocks up to the gates and mm. flirts with them and they just let her through. And yeah. so she ends up, you know, becoming really successful at being a courier. She also helps pick up soldiers, take them to a safe house. She hands them over to different people. She's a, she's basically a courier for um, for this thing called the, the Pat Line. She basically is, um, there's, you know, German agents all over the place. She doesn't know who to trust. She's always thinking that, you know, she's going to get busted sooner or later and her husband Mm. keeps saying, like, you've got to be really careful. She goes to her local cafe, like her favourite cafe, and the cafe owner says, you were followed last night, so I think it's time you leave. So she flees London and her husband says, I'm going to stay here, but you go and I'll just kind of, you know, cover for you. Mm-hmm. So um, 
they end up, you know, put, doing this whole big ruse that, you know, she's she needs some time out from the marriage and she's going to go and, you know, go on a little holiday, tells all the neighbours that she'll be back soon, makes it really public that she's going, you know, abroad for a holiday. She gets on a train and they, as soon as she gets on the train, there's guards who are checking passports and whatever. And so she she freaks out and she runs and then she's captured by right. the soldiers. They have no idea that who they've captured is the white mouse, like one of the most wanted women by the Gestapo, but they don't know that. They just think she's um, she's a prostitute mm-hmm. and they basically question her and beat her for four days mm-hmm. and she refuses to tell them anything. Wow. She's finally released from jail. Pat O'Leary, the guy who she was working on the escape lines with, he comes in and pretends to be um, – a friend of a high-ranking guard and says, oh, my God, this is this is this guard's mistress. She can't be in jail. You've got to – and so they all go, oh, oh of course, of course. Oh, like, my God. Leave, absolutely. Like she's, you know, she's the mistress. She's allowed out. Churchill at the time sets up this thing called the Special Operations Executive, SOE, mm-hmm. and the, their mission is basically to make life intolerable for the Germans who are occupying France. So mm-hmm. they're told to go into – Uh, France, ruin all the railways, sabotage whatever you can, wreck factories who are, um, you know, the the, uh, Nazi-led factories who are, you know, making munitions, just Mm. try to immobilise them basically. And she hears about this. She goes and knocks on the door and says, hi, I'd like to join your SOE. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's kind of like MI6, which is Mm -hmm. like like Mm -hmm. the James Bond kind of thing. Yep. They basically have to do like the fitness training and there's all these like old video footage of it wow. where they have to like, you know, jump over things and and they're also trained to um, in silent killing. So that is slitting the throat of someone or stabbing them so the person dies instantly with no yeah. sound. Yeah. Um, I'd love to learn that. <laughs> Sorry, did I say that out loud? Yeah. <laughs> So she becomes very, very, very good at what she does um, mm. and all because of her journalism skills. She's able to kind of negotiate and talk to people and get stuff out, of, you know, get information out of people. So she decides to join the parachute school that's part of this SOE and um, she's trained to be dropped into France and to go and meet, they have these things called the um, marquees, which are the little pockets of resistance groups mm-hmm. in France. So because um, she's training in London when she's doing this SOE thing. And so she ends up getting a, going to parachute school. She's terrified of heights. So on her first mission, she says to the guy in the plane, she's like, you're going to have to push me because I, I won't mm. jump. But when we get up there, just push me out of the plane. So she, she ends up dropping into France um, under the code name Helene and she meets the, the leader of this marquee group in France called Gaspar. She basically turns up and says to this guy, um, look, I'm here to help you. I can radio back, um, you know, what you guys need. We can do munition drops. I can coordinate stuff for you with, with London. And he just says, you're a woman, you don't know anything. He gets one of his guys to try to seduce her and they're going to seduce her, kill her and, and rob her basically. Hmm. And she hears, overhears this and she's like, she goes up to them and says, just try it, mate, and see what fucking happens. I yep. dare you. Fucking yeah, double dare you. 
fucking dare you? And she says to them one night, she goes, right, the only way we're going to sort this out is we're going to have a drinking competition. And yeah. a drinking competition. I love this. Yeah, she says the only way we're going to sort this out is if we're just going to, we're going to all stay out, we're going to drink whiskey all night and whoever's left standing at the end of the night, she said like, you know, if you beat me, then I'll totally like bow down to you. And she drinks them under the table. She basically like stays, <laughs> stays well, up amazing. and puts it away and just goes, and then she's like, right, are we cool now? Are we cool? Yeah. And he's well, like. She is an Antipodean. They didn't know what was coming. What's an Antipodean? The Antipodes is Australia and New Zealand. Oh, right. Oh. And that's what the English call us. Like when I was backpacking, oh. they all the English would go, oh, here comes an Antipodean. They know how to drink, don't I? <laughs> and we're known for our drinking. Yeah. Well, there you Binge drinking yeah. skills. <laughs> totally. So, yeah, so she's there with this in this marquee, 700 men mm. and her. So they end up <laughs> taking her seriously. Yeah. And she's asked in her autobiography if she ever took um, ever, ever took a lover in the forest. Yeah, yeah. And she says, no, if I took one, I'd have to take them all. She doesn't do big in halves. I was thinking that, like, I wonder if she got raped or, you know, yeah, but she could take no. care of herself, so she never did. No, never did and never even went there. She's partnered with a radio guy, so a radio operator. She's partnered with this flamboyant gay man and, like, in the 1940s for that to for him to be so openly gay mm, mm. Um, and she says, you know, I knew he was a queer but he was my dear friend and I loved him. So he comes and there's a couple of different stories. There was one story that he, the radio guy, Den Den, his name is, that he's in his little radio shack and he thinks that the um, Nazis are coming so he destroys all the radio equipment because he doesn't, mm. wanna, he doesn't want them to know that, that he's mm. part of the resistance. And then there's another story that he loses the codes for the, for the radio. So anyway, for whatever reason, the radios, they don't have radios. And so they're there going, well, without radios, there's nothing we can really do. We can't communicate back to London. Mm. So um, she hears about a radio that's um, in the nearest safe house, which is 200 kilometres, so the next little resistance pocket, mm. 200 kilometres away, and she's like, I'll go and I'll ride a bike with some, like, shopping in the bike so it just looks like I'm, travel, you know, out being a little woman getting the groceries and I'll, I'll ride and get this bike. So she gets on a bike and she rides 200 kilometres without stopping. That's a long time. Through checkpoints. She gets to this place, gets to this other safe house. She's able to get what she needs to make the radios work or get a new radio. And then she gets back on her bike and she rides 200 kilometres back mm. to where they were. All in all, I think she nonstop rides a bike for 76 hours. Oh, my God. And ends up when she, when she arrives, she's got blisters, she can barely walk. Her insides of her thighs are just one big blister from the, the seat on the bike and it's awful. But, um, yeah, she ends up pretty the much radios. saving, saving yeah. the day. Wow. Um, there's also reports that she participated in a raid of one of the Gestapo headquarters where um, that ended up killing 38 Germans. She, her reports of the war is that she actually, uh, she calls it, an, she had an eventful war. She actually enjoyed it. She enjoyed the <laughs> thrill of the chase, enjoyed her role and what she had to she do. She seems like the time. And after, yeah, and after the war she returns back to London. She runs into an old friend um, and she says, 
oh, I'm just on my way back to Marseille to meet up with her husband and her friend says he's actually not alive anymore and he had been captured, tortured and killed by the Nazis looking for her. For her, yeah. And she says she's she's never forgiven herself for leaving him and she's always mm. talked about him as the love of her life. Mm. Immediately after the war, she's awarded the George Medal, the United States Medal of Freedom, the Medal de la Resistance and the Croix de Guerre. So the cheese. <laughs> the cheese, yeah. And then she ends up working in the intelligence department at the British Air Ministry. And then she comes back to Australia in 1949. She stood as the Liberal candidate uh, in the 1949 Australian federal election oh for the God. Sydney seat of Barton. Which she doesn't, wow. um, she doesn't end up winning. Yeah. So in 1985, she published her autobiography called The White Mouse, and she ends up getting remarried. She uh, she lives in Port Macquarie with her husband. Wow. They have no children. Um, she ends up selling her medals to fund to fund herself after her second husband dies, and she says, "There's no." <laughs> There's no point in keeping them. I'll probably go to hell and they'd melt anyway. Oh, my God. Oh, I'd love to have met her. I know. An Australian television miniseries was released in 1987 entitled Nancy Wake based on the, the 1956 biography, which is not her, well, not her one, and it was played, she was played by Australian actress Noni Hazelhurst. Oh, my God. And Wake, Nancy Wake actually makes a uh, cameo in there. Oh as well. my God. Um, <laughs> I know. She didn't really, she read the script, but then when it came out, she didn't really like it because they tried to put in a love story of her in the forest mm. with the 700 men. And she's like, it didn't happen. No, it didn't and happen. Boring. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And she's like, so that's not what it was about. Um, such a fucking cliche thing to do. Isn't oh, it can't it? be can't be an interesting story without a love story. I involved. know. I know. Fuck off. Fuck, Fuck off. off. Um, she died on the seventh of August, twenty eleven, aged ninety eight, um, from a chest infection. Aww. Um, she requested that her ashes be scattered at Montlucon, Montlucon in central France. Wow. And that is the incredible story of Antipodean yeah. Nancy Wake. Yeah, there's some great photos of her um, that I remember because she was so beautiful Yeah, of yep. her holding a rifle. Yes. Or like yep. she was this sexy woman that, mm-hmm. you know, great story because of how beautiful she was and yeah and she used it as a weapon she weaponized yeah. her her, her um, beauty sex appeal yeah to get what yeah. she wanted and you know this oh this is a tale as old as time isn't it <laughs> yeah and they just didn't suspect her they just would no. never suspect her and they called her the white mouse because every time they thought they had her cornered she would slip away yeah and they'd lose her hole. again yeah, yeah. There's a new movie coming out or series. Yeah. Well, this series will be produced by France's Vendôme Group, an anonymous content who did True Detective and oh, The Revenant. Oh, that would be amazing. And it's based on New York Times bestselling author Ariel Lawhans 
World War spy thriller. Amazing. A broadcast is yet to be announced. This will be really great. Really, really great. Unreal. Yeah, that apparently. They're going to make something as good as true. Um, oh, detective imagine. about this. So apparently, it's um, the inspiration behind Inglorious Bastards because that's all that's all about the um, Marquis and the French Resistance. I was going to yeah. say it's it's Inglorious Bastards, which I just watched again recently. And Diana Agron, oh, not Diana Agron, that's the girl from Glee. Diana Diane Kruger, yes, um, is you can tell is inspired. Mm-hmm. Yeah. By and the only thing I ha- absolutely hated about that movie was that she doesn't survive mm. mm-hmm. because she should have. Yeah. Yeah. I've got to watch that again because apparently it's the same. She's so good in the drinking scene. Yeah, the drinking it's scene. so See? good. Like, yeah. That exactly would be yeah. inspired by that. Yeah, and, and that's when um, just some great actors cameo in the movie at yeah. that point and yeah. – yeah. Um, yeah. Just brilliant. It's worth watching again just for Diane Kruger's. Kruger, yeah. Um, I will have to watch that and, again too. And the way, you know, these um, Nazi fighters, like they were Nazi, um, they called themselves Nazi hunters. Yeah, right. Brad Pitt yeah. and his mm-hmm. Jewish friends, you know, they mm. were fucking Jesus Christ because they would scalp. Like it's, it's such an incredibly brutal, brutal movie. Yeah. But. I don't mind that kind of thing. Like I get off on it a little bit. Yeah, love it. Love it. Yes, sicko. Anyway, that's it. Yeah, that was a really good one. Yeah, really, really good one. She was awesome. I was so excited to um to tell you really all about one. her. It's a shame someone like that didn't have children because I just think that the genes of mm. that. Um, oh yeah. You know, like. So many women who are so strong like that. I wish they'd procreated. Yes, you know, because yeah. they're the, keep the that ones bloodline going. Keep that bloodline going. That strength of where do you get that from? Hundred percent, absolutely fearless. It's you amazing know, because my grandmother survived that war and being captured and all that mm-hmm. kind of thing from France, but she just survived. Yeah, yeah. Women like Nancy who didn't just survive; they fought. They absolutely fought. They were on the on on the offense. Yeah. No, yeah, on the offense. Okay. They weren't on the defense. Yeah. They were going for it. I would have loved to. Um, yeah, yeah. Oh, hey, shame. Like me, no children. <laughs> what like a bloodline! <laughs> what a bloodline! They're missing out on. I mean, we don't have women. We have not put women on this planet to go to bed at seven thirty every night. The world is missing out. (laughs) Oh, God. Okay. Okay.